Welcome to Recovery at Pal. My name is Kelly, and I'm a recovering alcoholic, and I breathe by God's grace. We believe that God allows us to call out to Him just as we are, and that we are worthy of the love and the help of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. No matter what's holding you down, such as grief and loss, addiction, codependency, sexual integrity, or your loved one who suffers from addiction, we are all recovering from something. We recover with Jesus, the 12 steps, and we recover together as a community. You can find our recovery page at palchurch.com. Click on the recovery link to find out more about us. Visit with us Thursdays for a free meal, worship, and small groups. In the meantime, please take a deep breath, invite Jesus to sit with you, and enjoy this message of hope that follows. Tonight, we start a brand new series, and it's, it's going to be uh, based into the, the gospel of Matthew, and we're calling it Teacher. And we, as we walk through Matthew's gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and as, as we do that, we're going to study about our great teacher, Jesus. Now, I want to make something really very clear. I want to make a proclamation here first before we begin talking about our teacher. I want us to never lose sight that Jesus is for us, and he is never against us. He is our Messiah. He is our King. He is our Savior, and he is the mighty one that saves. He pursues us by his love. He answers us when we call out to him, and he rescues us. He makes us new, and he transforms us. Amen? Amen. But what's really cool about the Gospel of Matthew is this. There are countless times in the good news, which Matthew writes about, that Jesus teaches his disciples. And he also teaches many others in the gospel of Matthew how to live a changed life. All through the gospel of Matthew, Jesus is our faithful instructor for our recovery. And Jesus teaches us how we can change from the inside out by his love, by his faithfulness, and by his great example. Jesus lives to teach us how to live. And Matthew's gospel is going to guide us all the way through this series, through the teaching moments of Jesus's life. And while we study Matthew's gospel, we're going to walk through the 12 steps. And Jesus is our teacher. So my prayer for us within this series um, is that we will remain Humble. I know, dang it. We got to remain humble. Teachable, some would even say, as we learn from Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Often during Christmas time, we talk about John the Baptist, don't we? We mentioned him a lot last month in our Advent series. And John's conception and his birth, they were crucial for the story of Jesus' birth and his life. And John the Baptist was a prophet. He was uh, the, the child of Zechariah and Elizabeth. He was the cousin of Jesus who was born to Joseph and to Mary. And Jesus was born to be the Savior of the world. And John the Baptist was born, created, and chosen by God to prophesy of the coming of Jesus Christ. And in the Gospel of Matthew, which we're going to read in just a few minutes, beginning in chapter 3, John and Jesus, now they're all grown up. And ministry is in motion. 
And John the Baptist is the one who would cry out about Jesus. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John was quirky. He lived in an isolated lifestyle way out in the wilderness. He dressed funny. He talked funny. He ate funny, funny things. We get the idea from the scriptures that John is the one who would go against the grain. He's that kind of guy. And I relate to that. I don't know about y'all. Um, John knew that Jesus was the Messiah. Everyone had waited for Jesus. John would preach about Jesus, that our Savior is the one that we could turn back toward, that we must repent to, that we must change, that God, he was sent in the form of Jesus to save us from ourselves. It was God in the flesh. And John the Baptist, the prophet, he was a man of God. So as John is baptizing folks in the River Jordan, all are confessing their sins, and Jesus is approaching to meet with John the Baptist. And this is where we're going to pick up with our first scripture reading. We'll be reading from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 3, and it's verses 11 through 17. Hear these words. John will begin by saying, I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And the Jesus came from Galilee to John and at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But John answered, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. And then he, John the Baptist, he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending with a dove, like a dove, and alighting on him. And a voice from the heavens said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Will you all pray with me? Sovereign Father, hallowed be thy name. Father God, we are grateful. You gave us your Son, our Savior, our Teacher. And yet, Lord, within our recovery stories and within the many twists and the turns of our lives, we've waited for and we've called out to Jesus for our rescue. And as he has drawn near to us, we have turned away from him. Father, please forgive us. Lord, through your Holy Son, teach us to turn back toward Jesus who saves. May we surrender over to you all of our old ways which cause so much pain and destruction. Hold us, Father, as we wrestle with the power that belongs to you alone. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
when we begin to work our 12 steps and we really start digging into step one, what are some of the words that come to mind? I can't. Surrender. Admit. All good words, right? Unmanageability. That's a good one. What about power? Powerless. Amen. You read my mind. Um, I think a lot of us at times, we say that word power for step two. But step one says we admitted we were powerless over our compulsive behaviors, our addictions, and our losses, and that our lives had become unmanageable. And I think that we can all admit in step one that our lives have become unmanageable. There comes a time before we start working uh, our recovery program when everything in our lives, it's all coming out sideways, isn't it? And there seems to be no real point of return. And that part is really easy for us to recognize. It's right in front of us, right? We can admit that our lives have become unmanageable. But in step one, can we honestly admit that we're powerless? Or do we just skip over that part? Power is defined as the capacity or ability to direct or influence the behavior of others to affect the outcome of the course of events. And in my recovery, I relate to that definition. I don't know about y'all. Yeah, I see a lot of nodding heads, yeah. So my question for us within our uh, recovery stories tonight, with that definition of power, how's that working out for you? Yeah, not so good. For me, when I admit that my life is truly unmanageable, but I do not admit that I'm powerless. I'm not in full surrender to step one. And I don't admit that I'm powerless because I really don't want to. Being powerless goes against everything human that's inside of me. It goes against everything I've been taught because really I just want to win again. That's what I want. And when I figure out this whole surrender thing, I'll have the power to manage my own life and everyone else's better. It's easy to admit that our lives for the, for the moment have spun out of control and that certainly our lives are completely unmanageable. But we'll keep the power and we'll just take a shortcut directly into step two. And as we do that, step one is incomplete. We must admit that we are powerless in step one, before we can ever believe in anything that is, graver, that is greater than ourselves that we can give that power to. And that, my friends, is where we get in trouble when we work step one. Because power, it's a really tricky thing. It's very tricky. So how do we surrender in step one fully and admit that we are indeed powerless? How can we be sure that we don't take any shortcuts in step one? I believe as we just read into the gospel of Matthew that Jesus, our teacher, begins to introduce us to admitting that we're powerless. John the Baptist was created to preach. He was created to clear the way for Jesus's ministry. It's all he could think about. He was consumed by it. 
He told anyone who would come out to hear him. He told them all about Jesus, all about repentance, all about surrender. Turn away from your sins, your unmanageability, and turn toward Jesus. And then Jesus comes to John the Baptist at the River Jordan. And what happens? Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you Come to me. But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it's proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. Here comes Jesus, completely in God's will. And what does John the Baptist say? I know I've been waiting on you for a really long time. Been waiting on you all this time, Jesus. But now that you've come near, I don't want to do what you say. In other words, I think I'll keep just a little bit of power for myself. I don't need to baptize you, Jesus. You need to baptize me. The prophet, who just moments ago said, one who is more powerful than I is coming, and I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals. And then John the Baptist, with barely a blink of an eye, refuses to admit that he is powerless. Instead, he says, no, Jesus, I got a better plan. But Jesus, because he's so patient and he's faithful and he's so kind and he's in complete surrender to the power which belongs to God alone, he says to John the Baptist, let it be so now, for it's proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness and John consented. Praise God, John recognized and admitted Yes, Jesus, you're right. I'm powerless. How did that happen? Because I want to make sure we don't miss it. John the Baptist looks at Jesus and says, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Of course, Jesus comes to John the Baptist. And of course, Jesus comes to us because we just can't go to him, not fully. Jesus, so faithful, so patient, so compassionate, and by God's power alone, he comes near to us, and he says, let it be so now. For it's proper for us in the way to fulfill all righteousness. Then John the Baptist consents, and so do we, and we admit that we are powerless. And finally, after much wrestling with Jesus, we can face step one. When Jesus had been baptized, just as he had come up from the water, suddenly the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. John teaches, Jesus teaches, John the Baptist, all about powerlessness. In this moment at the river, right in the Jordan, Jesus surrendering to his Father, powerless, Yet, beloved, he is the Son of God, and he is our teacher. Jesus continues to teach us about admitting we're powerless. He's tempted in the desert. He's in the wilderness with the enemy. Let's look at chapter 4 of the Gospel of Matthew. It's going to be verses 1 through 11. Then John was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. 
He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a high, very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all this I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Who remembers what the halts are? Yes, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. A plus. This is a really valuable lesson in our recovery journey, isn't it? Because I'm willing to bet in this moment, after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, Jesus has got the halts. I'm almost certain of it. Jesus has been led by the Spirit, powerless, into the wilderness, into the desert. He's fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and Jesus, our teacher, the Scripture says he's famished. And God's Holy Spirit has placed him in a very lonely and a deserted place. And Jesus is powerless. It's the perfect opportunity for Satan to come, to tempt Jesus, to go against the Heavenly Father's will. Satan's main goal is to convince Jesus to take power back from God and to use that power as he sees fit. Why? so that God's righteousness is not fulfilled. And as Jesus is so hungry and so angry and so lonely and so tired, the enemy suggests that Jesus should take a shortcut. And not only does Satan tempt Jesus with the one shortcut, he tempts Jesus with three shortcuts. In the scripture we read, Satan is determined to lure Jesus away from God's power. And if he can convince Jesus to take the shortcut and walk away from God's power, Jesus does not have to be without it. He doesn't even have to go to the cross. He certainly will not have to admit that he's powerless. He follows with the temptation from the enemy. If he were to do that, as Satan suggests, that Jesus turns the stones, the rocks, into bread. If Jesus were to follow that temptation, he would possess power. What does Jesus say even when he is at his most desperate place of hunger? One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus says, I cannot live by my power. I must admit that I'm powerless. We live by every word that comes from the mouth of God, who is all-powerful. Our teacher lives in the way 
that we are to live. Powerless. Satan suggests that Jesus throw himself down because he will not die. The only way that Jesus can throw himself down is by his own power. Because if he does that, he's going against God's will. Jesus refuses again. And he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When we test God, we abuse his power. And we misuse our power. We cannot admit that we're powerless when we're testing God. Jesus, our teacher, refuses to test God because he must remain powerless. Satan finally tempts Jesus by offering him all the kingdoms, all the world, and all of its splendor. What does that sound like to you? Power? When we rule our kingdom, when we rule our world, and we plunder its splendor, in no way can we admit that we are powerless because we're operating under the illusion of power. How does Satan seal the deal on this temptation? All this I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus, our teacher, he responds, away with you, Satan, for it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. As Jesus admits he is powerless, what happens to Jesus? The scripture says that the devil left Jesus and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Some other translations say that the devil went away and that the angels took care of Jesus or that the devil left. And in that place, angels, angels came and took care of Jesus's needs. When we cannot admit we are powerless, We're trapped in a place of self-bondage. We worship what gives us power, and we serve only ourselves. But Jesus says, I am powerless, and I will worship only God, and I will serve only God. And make no mistake, and don't have any doubts, that if Satan will approach Jesus with temptations, Satan will certainly do the same thing to us in our wilderness as well. When we're at our worst and we've got absolutely nothing left to give, when we're famished, when we're devastated, when we're exhausted, when we're isolated and we're afraid, when we're hungry and we're uh, spiritually and emotionally hungry, when we're angry, which fuels our illusion of power, And when we're lonely and we're tired, Satan says, guess what? You still got some power. And you don't have to let Jesus draw near to you at all. You can take a shortcut. You can skip over admitting that you're powerless. And you can do what you want to do. And you never have to turn back to God for what he wants you to do. It's important to note As uh, Satan tempts Jesus in the gospel of Matthew, he says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, you have power. Jesus says, because I am the son of God, I can admit that I'm powerless. And because power can be such a tricky thing, Satan assures us, because you and I are children of God, that we've got power. And Jesus teaches us that we must say back to Satan, 
because we are children of God, our lack of power is our most precious gift. And because of this gift, we can admit that we're powerless and we can serve only him, our own heavenly father. We no longer have to fall into the trap of serving ourselves in the desert, in the wilderness. Jesus admits that he's powerless and he is the son of God and he is our teacher. Consider the question right here in your seat tonight, right now. Consider this, where are you tonight? Right now, in this moment, perhaps we are truly fully present tonight. We're taking notes in our seat and everything, right? We're in this church, we're in this place, and we're fully committed. Or maybe some of us are not fully present, even as we sit in this safe space tonight. Maybe we're still stuck in our addictions. Maybe we're lost. Maybe we're afraid. Maybe we're just numb. We might be stuck in a place of grief and our losses and we're hurting. We could be isolated in our compulsive behaviors, desperate and hiding. We're consumed by our people, our relationships, and our loved ones' problems. Maybe we finally hit bottom in our valley, or we're gazing out from the mountaintop at our illusion of power. And within that place, whatever it looks like for you tonight and whatever it looks like for me tonight, how many times over and over again have we said yes to the enemy and no to Jesus? Have we tried to wrestle with God for power, to bargain with him, to make a deal? God, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. And we actually call that surrender. So how many times have we said yes to surrender, but no to powerlessness? Have we lost count of how many times we took a shortcut back to power? Making our demands to influence the behavior of others to direct the outcome of the course of events. Power. Wherever we are tonight, right now in this moment, and in our place of complete unmanageability, we consider step one. And Jesus comes to us by God's grace alone, and he meets us right where we are. He comes to us because we just can't make it out to him. Not completely. Not yet. And when the God, within the gospel of Matthew and in our own wilderness, Jesus is our true teacher. Jesus meets with John the Baptist at the River Jordan to teach us that we are powerless. Jesus meets with the enemy, the dark one in the wilderness, exhausted to teach us that we are powerless. And Jesus meets with us in our personal desert place of self tonight to teach us too about the gift of powerlessness physically and spiritually hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, our teacher Jesus makes us admit, he moves us to admit that we are powerless. We're powerless over our compulsive behaviors, our addictions, and our losses, and that our lives have become unmanageable. And step one becomes real 
for our recovery. And when we finally do that by God's power, that never belonged to us in the first place. And with no more shortcuts, the heavens are opened up to us. We are his beloved child and serving only him. The devil leaves us. And in his place, the angels come and they take care of our needs and our powerless. Oh, and our powerlessness. Oh, what a gift. This is from our teacher, Jesus. It's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As you journey into your next moment or your next 24 hours of recovery, know that you are worthy, loved, and welcome at Recovery at Pal any Thursday night from 5.45 p.m. to 8.45 p.m. Check us out online at palchurch.com and visit the recovery link for more information. Let's close with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is and not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever and the next. Amen.